Well, I see how it is. You guys are willing to sit by yourselves, but if I forget to tell you to stand. Yeah, I was on my way to my seat, and I was fully devoted to sitting down and getting a drink of water. <laughs> and I forgot about you, so I'm sorry. Um, we will be concluding Second Thessalonians this morning. And so you can open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at the last three verses. Our series title, Unshaken, has painted a picture of God's people facing persecution, false teaching, and church discipline, all with resilience, resolve, and response, only found through the grace and peace of the Lord our God. And so Paul opened his letter in 2 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. You guys are turning to the end of chapter 3. I'm going back to the beginning while you're turning there. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace, says Paul. Now, Let's read today's text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. It is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you you all. Now, conclusion sermons uh, to books of the Bible can be strange at times because I have to both preach this text and in some way preach the entire book, right? (laughs) Um, But this was helpful for me. This gave me sort of a direction to package this conclusion sermon to this sermon series. Grace to you and peace Paul begins, and peace to you and grace, he finishes. This realization helped me to word the theme for our text this morning. The peace and grace of God is with us all, always. The peace and grace of God is with us all, always. To expound this theme, our points are easy this morning. Praise God. The peace of God is with us all, always. The grace of God is with us all, always. And so I wanted to make the theme a little more complicated than this. Um, I wanted to make the theme, the grace and peace and peace and grace of God is with us all, always. But for your sake and for the sake of me not biting my tongue while preaching trying to recount the theme, um, I decided against it. But I'll explain at the very least why I desired to make the theme. I'll do it one more time because it's kind of fun to say. The grace and peace and peace and grace of God is with us always. Um, See, in Hebrew poetry, there's a device that many of you have heard us mention before called chiasm or chiasm. Depends on who's saying it. Um, I've heard confident, smart people say it both ways, and so now I have no idea how to say it. 
Um, I go chiasm, though, just because it makes more sense to me. Um, how it works, though, is not like rhyme, but it works through the order, structuring the orders of idea. So rhyme is like A, B, A, B. Roses are red, violets are blue, right? So that is very common of English poetry, is we have some sort of rhyme scheme, um, and it makes sense in our heads because red, and then something's going to rhyme with red, and blue, so something's going to rhyme with blue. Hebrew poetry was not like this, though. They didn't rhyme the sounds, but rather they structured things around concepts and ideas. And so imagine then, if grace and peace are ideas one and two, or A and B, so to speak, then idea three might be 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Stand firm, right? Stand firm, says Paul. But if this is idea three, then the overall structure of the letter seems to be what you see, well, I'm pointing at the TV, what you see (laughs) on the projector, right? May the grace of God be with you. May the peace of God be with you. Stand firm. May the peace of God be with you. May the grace of God be with you. Now, this is all just fancy talk, right? Like, what's your point, Kyle? The understanding of this overly simplified, to be fair, chiasm would be that we can only stand firm in as much as we are standing in the grace and peace and peace and grace of God. And so what Paul does then, um, and hopefully I'll be able to accomplish my preaching quickly today, is I want to encourage you in the way that Paul packages 2 Thessalonians. Everything that we've considered in this entire series, unshaken, is to be understood within the grace and peace and peace and grace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we begin, I'll read the text one more time, and then we'll look at our first truth, our first point. So, verses 16 through 18 of chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness. It is the way I write the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. If you would, pray with me and we will hop in our text. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that everything that you have spoken through Paul to the Thessalonians in this letter recorded and preserved for us, thank you that everything that we have learned in this series is to be understood within the grace and peace and the peace and grace that is found not only by you, but in you. You don't just give us peace, you are peace. You don't just give us grace, but you are the grace that you give. So, Father, I pray that our hearts would be softened as we go through this conclusion today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we get to pray. Amen. And so our first truth this morning is the peace of God is with us all, 
always. And I'll read verse 16 again. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Isn't it nice? Isn't it convenient to have such a short passage to preach from? I've read the text like two and a half times already. In Jeremiah, I would just be getting done reading the text right now. But praise God, right? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Now interestingly, commentators disagree on whether verse 16 belongs to the conclusion or if it belongs to the previous section that Matt has hit on the past two weeks. And so if it belongs to the conclusion, then it's likely that it has a more generalized application to the entire book, right? The entire letter. If it belongs to the previous section, however, then it becomes more of a specific um, application, a specific call for peace from the Lord of Peace relating to the church discipline issues of the previous two sermons, the previous section, right? So, as you can imagine, um, me preaching this text, I had to decide which of these two is correct. Which commentators am I going to side with? And is this verse 16 a conclusion to the book or a conclusion to this talk about church discipline? And I am happy to report to you that I copped out. And I decided uh, that it's both. <laughs> um, and because there are two options here, and because I am persuaded that there is truth to both of these options, um, this is going to be the subpoints for our first point today. So we'll look at both sides of the issue, but first we'll consider how verse 16 closes verses 6 through 15 with the first subpoint the Lord of peace is needed in church conflict. The Lord of peace is needed <clears throat> in church conflict. And so in the past two weeks, we've covered much discipline issues, um, issues of idleness that stem from false teaching. And we've observed how this command from Paul to discipline these brothers and sisters in the faith required even that they reiterate Paul's words to them, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty hard to say to somebody, <laughs> Right? It's hard to go to a grown man and say, hey, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. So you can imagine that these issues of discipline um, were almost certainly going to result in not, not necessarily bad conflict, not, not necessarily splitting conflict, but certainly abrasive conflict, Right? Like, we're uh, rubbing ourselves down with sandpaper having these conversations. And then last week we hear from Matt preaching Paul's words in 12 through 15 that we must take note, take action, and take responsibility when we com combat compromise within the church. So we take note of those in sin, we take action to confront them, and then we take this responsibility on for our brothers and sisters because we are family and so I have to take note of you and I have to take action with you. And again, as you can imagine, 
hard conversations and disciplined conversations and even just awkward conversations. Man, they're tough. Um, and so it would make sense then, with all of these things in mind, that Paul would say, and by the way, I'm going to go ahead and pray on your behalf, Thessalonians, that the Lord of peace would give you peace and that he would be with you, right? Now, I don't know about you, um, but shoo we. Uh, if I commanded one of you to have a hard conversation like this, if I commanded one of you to, hey, I need you to go to so-and-so and tell them to get off their butt um, and go to work, because if you don't work, you don't eat. If I am not praying for you in that moment, then I am sinning against you as your pastor. Right? Even if it might be necessary. And if I, or if Matt has, or if anyone has, ever approached you regarding a disciplined matter, I do want you to know two things. There's plenty of things to know, but this is what came to mind when I was preparing the sermon. One is that we absolutely, positively, unquestionably, unequivocally, I don't even know if I said that last one right, we did not want to be in that meeting. We don't want to be there. Zero shot. If there's anywhere else that we can be, that's where we want to be, rather than having a conversation regarding discipline. Now, don't hear me say that we didn't want to care for you well, in fact, it's the opposite. We are there because we know what the Bible says. We know that the Bible demands it. But more than that, by God's grace, we've been given wisdom from God to know that the Bible demands it because it is for your good. It's even for my good. I grow from having a disciplined conversation. And so, it's tough. It hurts. It's not fun. And again... It's like rubbing yourself down with sandpaper, but the Bible commands it, and the Bible commands it because it is for our good. The second thing I want you to know is that if I'm being honest, I still don't feel like I'm that great at disciplined conversations, and I'm sure Matt would agree. I know the stats, I know the rules, I know the concepts, and I know the benefits of church discipline. And because of all that, I'm going to make myself do it. But let me tell you that I still feel like an imposter. I still feel like a hypocrite. I still feel like a loser when I sit anyone down and have a hard conversation. I do not feel like, I, I don't get to, I don't write Dear Diary. Today, I got to have another disciplined conversation with a church member. I got to prove to them that I am superior to them in every way. I can guarantee you that however many nights of lost sleep you have from a disciplined conversation, I will match you. I will call you and match your bet. Okay? I don't like it leading up to, and I don't like it following. But we do it because it's what the Bible has commanded, and... By God's grace, he has chosen to work sanctification in our lives through these types of difficult conversations. 
And I say all that to say this. I may not have said these particular words from Paul in preparation for a difficult meeting with you or with anyone else, but I will now. My prayers have been changed moving forward in preparation for this sermon. Verse 16, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you all. Because you better believe I am begging God before every difficult conversation that I don't totally mess everything up. I don't want to be too harsh or too soft, too mean or too lenient, too wordy or too vague, too funny or too serious, too awkward or too relaxed, too blah, blah, or too blah, 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 blah. I'm looking at all these different scenarios, and I want to make sure that I'm caring for you guys well, that Matt, likewise, is running these scenarios in his head, that we're caring for you well, and that we don't overdo it or underdo it. That we honor the Lord in communicating what the Bible says and being unbiased or sharing, sharing bias, but calling bias bias, and like all of these different things, right, that go into difficult conversations, in holy smokes, we might mess it up regularly. But I want to communicate just as a fresh reminder. It's not for lack of caring. It's because I'm a loser. <laughs> it's because I mess up a lot. Even in preparation, I'm going to say something that's insensitive or... Um, my only combat to, like, saying insensitive things, for those of you that have had these kinds of conversations with me, you know, is I have to talk a long time to avoid talking poorly for a short time. <laughs> so I'll talk around an issue so that I can try to communicate it in a way that is not too harsh. But it takes me, you're going to go on a just... Hop in the car, just go along with me on the ride, right? So if you want to know how to pray for us, how to pray for me, how to pray for Matt, just randomly throughout the week, okay? If you're like, how can I pray for Matt and Kyle this week? Pray that the Lord of peace himself will give us peace at all times and in every way, as we may be having difficult conversations that you don't even know about. And as you know, hard conversations may be coming. Pray that the Lord be with us both right? Because I need it, for sure. And I can attest, Matt can confirm next week, if you want to ask him, he needs it too. So, does verse 16 serve as a fitting close to verses 6 through 15? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay? They were having some hard conversations there in Thessalonica. Because these weren't even guys that were just lazy, they were just believing false teaching, right? They thought they were doing the right thing, and then they were being disciplined. So that's extra hard. If I smack you in the face and you say, don't smack me in the face, well, you got me, right? But if I think I'm doing right, and then I'm approached with the fact that I am actually doing wrong, man, these were difficult conversations that these Thessalonians were having. So... Just as verse 16 neatly wraps up the previous section, it does also, however, wrap up Paul's letter in a very convenient package, okay? And so the second sum point is the Lord of peace is needed, period. 
Um, and before I continue, a point of order. The Lord of peace is needed, period. Saying period to emphasize a period in speech makes sense. But when I write it down, should I have written the Lord of peace is needed, comma, and then the word period? I have no idea. And so, if the grammar council could get with me after the service this morning and tell me, should that period be a comma or should it be a period, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, Back to the text. Now then, the Lord of peace is needed. Sermon over? Well, all right, we, we we can pack up and go home on that, right? The Lord of peace is needed. Now, because this is such a generalized statement, it absolutely is a fitting conclusion to everything that we have heard in this Unshaken series. Hey, guess what? The Lord of peace is needed. This isn't rocket science. It should be obvious. But if you are like me, then saying the obvious thing out loud helps me to believe the obvious thing not simply know the obvious thing, right? So I've done the work um, here. It's not going to be on the screen. So you can just close your eyes and recall the past two months of preaching. I've done the work of compiling all the themes for Second Thessalonians. And don't worry, there's not that many. I'm going to read them to you, though. So the first one, God brings essential comfort in uncertain times. Second, Christ's return will conclude decisive victory over God's opponents amid undeniably apocalyptic events. Three, the weight of future events leads God's people to regroup and rally around a fresh reminder of God's saving work. Four, God's abiding provision enables his people to persevere. Five, Bearing with one another through prayer directs both leader and led toward God's faithful love. Six, imitating the work ethic of godly examples reinforces our Christian witness. Seven, careful endurance and the church body refuses to compromise on holiness. And then eight, and today's, the peace and grace of God is with us all, always. As you have uh, heard me recall these themes, and as you recount these sermons and the text that these themes summarize, church, it should be obvious that the Lord of peace is needed in uncertain times to conclude decisive victory and to rally around God's saving work. It should be obvious that the Lord of peace is needed so we may persevere, that we may bear one another's burdens, and that we may imitate others as they imitate Jesus. And Lord, or... You, it should be obvious, the Lord is needed if we are to have any hope of refusing to compromise on holiness. Right? The Lord of peace is needed, period. So Paul packages this entire letter in the peace given by and through the Lord of peace himself. But our theme today included more than just peace. The peace and grace of God is with us all, always. 
And so carry these ideas of the peace of God being needed and seeing the Lord of peace woven through all of these themes, carry that into our second truth. The grace of God is with us all, always. Verses 17 and 18, read with me. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. It is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So Paul interjects a note of authenticity, but also one of personal care in verse 17. Scholars agree that it was likely that Paul dictated the majority of his letters to various trusted writing companions that he was traveling with at the time. Um, And we don't know precisely why he did this. There's a few likely reasons. Um, It was common enough to do this at the time anyway. And perhaps Paul's training as a Pharisee got him accustomed to working out his thoughts verbally rather than with a pen in hand. Now, I would personally hate this. It sounds like the absolute worst possible thing I could do because I need to write in order to speak where it's possible that Paul spoke in order to write. So that might be it. We also know that Paul had various physical uh, ailments, various issues, various like traumas to his body. Um, he gives that list in 2 Corinthians of like, I mean, dude's been shipwrecked. He's been stranded on islands. Um, he was just generally sickly, it seemed. Um, he was small of stature. And so we don't know if he was just like a short dude or he might have just had very severe scoliosis. Like he might have just had some severe spinal issues that made him shorter than he ought to have been. Um, We know that he says himself, like, hey, I'm not a looker, right? Um, And you're not going to listen to me because of my speech because it seemed that Paul was maybe not that great of a a speaker, so maybe he had to communicate through a stutter, or who knows? But dude did it, right? So there's all kinds of reasons why he might have dictated, but I think it's interesting more interesting than why he dictated, um, I think it's interesting that at this particular point, Paul takes the pen himself to close every letter in his own handwriting. Not only, I mean, there's a million other ways to authenticate a letter, right? He could have just put a, a wax seal of some sort. He could have just authenticated this in any other number of ways, But just like all of us in here know, in the digital age, is it more moving? Does it resonate with your spirit and your emotion more to receive an email or to receive a letter in the mail? So I'm persuaded fully that Paul absolutely needed a system for authenticating his letters because there were some folks, you know, claiming to be him. That's something that even he had to work through in Thessalonica. But he chose this way. Again, I'm, pers- I'm convinced. I don't know this, but I'm persuaded he chose this way to, even if I can't write this whole letter to you guys, even if my body will not allow me, 
you better believe that I will close out this letter with a prayer that I am praying for you, that you would know and be with the Lord of peace always, and that you would be with the God of grace always. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. And like this conclusion pointing back, pointed back to the introduction of 2 Thessalonians, this will also bring us back to the introduction of the sermon. Grace to you and peace. Peace to you and grace. Cedarview, I have a very poorly kept secret here on how Christianity and the Bible functions. Paul asks in verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And he asks in verse 16, the Lord of peace, give the Lord of peace himself, give you peace at all times and in every way. And he asks in his introduction, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace and peace from, our, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ requested from Paul for the Thessalonians and requested from your pastors for you are found in one radiant, beautiful, accessible place. The grace and peace of our Lord God are found in the Lord of peace and the God of grace himself. So you don't just get butterfly feelings. When I pray for peace you, I don't pray that your headache will go away, that your tummy will feel nice. I pray that God himself will make himself known to you and that he will be felt present beside you. We get the peace of the Lord from the Lord of peace. We get the grace of God from the God of grace. And so church, next time you're in despair and next time you pray to the Lord of peace, don't, don't expect those butterflies. Expect the all-powerful Lord of all creation to make his presence known to you in his timing. Because he may not feel near at that moment that you pray. But church, I am encouraging you from God's word this morning that he is near. Even when you do not feel, he is near. His presence is your peace. And church, the next time you wreck everything, the next time you are the one in need of discipline, don't ask for some invisible force of grace to be extended towards you. Expect the God of grace himself to grab you by the face, look you in the eyes, and proclaim through his word what he says through Paul in Romans chapter 8. Who is to condemn? I'm the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for you. Who shall separate us from my love? Who will separate you from my love? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, which by the way, I wrote it. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are being regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, you, church, are more than conquerors through me who loved you. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things in the, to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of my creation will be able to separate you, my church, from my love that I demonstrated by sending Jesus to live the life that you cannot, to take the punishment for sin that you deserve. I died and was raised on the third day that you too might have everlasting life. The peace of God is with us always. The God of grace and the grace of God is with us always. The peace and grace of God is with us all, always. And as we conclude, I want to make clear that the entirety of Paul's encouragements, his warnings, commands, his rebukes, and his command to stand firm even, they all fall within the good news that the peace and grace of God is with us all from beginning to the end. And if you have repented and believed in this good news of the gospel, then you can claim that truth as in that promise this morning. Leave here today knowing and seeking to know more intimately the Lord of peace who is our peace and the God of grace who is our grace by speaking to him as such in your prayers. Don't just ask for grace. Don't just ask for peace. Ask God for God. Be present in my life. Draw me closer to you. And in you are found both grace and peace. But if you have not repented and believed the gospel as presented this morning, to trust in Jesus as the sole Lord and leader of your life, superseding all earthly masters, and even superseding your own wills and desires. If you have not repented and believed in this way, then let me likewise be clear. Not a single encouragement, not a single warning, not a single command or rebuke found in 2 Thessalonians was to you, for you, or about you. Because everything in this letter is packaged around grace to you and peace. And peace to you and grace. There is no grace for you and peace apart from following Jesus. You have rejected the Lord of peace and you have despised the God of grace. But praise God that if you do not know him this morning, you can know him this morning. If you would like to understand better how to repent and believe the gospel if you would like to enter into this grace in which the rest of us stand, then come speak with me following the service. Go speak to a trusted mentor after the service. Deal with in your own heart your unrepentant tendencies, the sin that you were born with. Repent of being your own God. Follow the Lord Jesus and believe that he has lived the life that you could not. He died the death that you deserve. He died and was raised on the third day that you too might have new life. Do not leave the preaching of God's word without responding to the Lord in your heart this morning. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that we are wrapped in the grace